The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim is back for another Fantasy Golf Generous podcast this week for the Houston Open. Sorry I missed last week. Work got in the way, but I'm back this week, and we're getting close to the Masters, too. It's a great time of the year. It's going to be fun as usual. I am here with the Canadian Pitbull, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, Kenny. Good to have you back, man. Thanks again to Bear Off for filling in last week. It was an awesome show. I wasn't my best week. I was, it wasn't a bad week, but it was a sad week because I exited the Fantasy Golf World Championship and oh. I was down to two lineups and you guys saw the one that I used in the four-man. That's the other lineup I was considering and it would have finished in 20th and, and easily moved on. So that kind of sucked. But uh, yeah, still a good week. You know, you, you get some money out of that. I think it was 3000 for making it that far, but you know, go after it again next year. But now I'm just forced to put all that money back into the economy and uh, play the mega for 4,500 bucks here and, you know, in another week at the, at the masters, but it is what it is. It was good times, man. You know, good to have you back on before we go into this week, guys want to quickly remind you this podcast is presented and sponsored by rotogrinders.com head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DGen. get yourself five bucks off the first month. You can check out all the core four main sports, everything right now, obviously football PGA, that's the two that are going on and I'm doing content for all that stuff across the board. So but yeah, Kenny, talk to me about your week, though. I know, uh, you know, big Brian Gay winner, you, you got in there live and hit a bet, but it was just a, another 40-plus-year-old guy getting it done, man, against the, the young Wyndham Clark, who we were probably all cheering for around the industry here. But yeah, Brian Gay gets the job done, and your bankroll stacked now. Yeah, my ass was not cheering for Wyndham Clark. Uh, I can tell you that right now. Uh, you know, the old guys are coming through. Stuart Sink, Sergio, uh, uh, Party Marty Laird. Uh, who, what did you say? Uh, yeah, Martin Laird was another yeah, Mar- one. Yep, yep. And then, you know, this week with 48-year-old Brian Gay, um, what a performance by him. I mean, it was so clutch. You could sort of see 
what was happening uh, late in the round. When Wyndham Clark got the lead, he sort of played not to win, a lot of irons off the tee, not being quite as aggressive um, until he got to 18. He poured that driver down 18 twice. Uh, and even in the playoffs, he pulled that driver out, hit some nice drives. But if, if he did that before on a couple of the other holes and uh, didn't play to lose, I think he had a better chance. Now, what you saw with Brian Gay was probably experience. You know, even though we haven't seen much of him, you know, in the last few years, I, he hasn't won in, what, seven years. Um, you know, he, I think his experience, and he's won, I think, four or five times on tour already. He has that in his brain already. He knows how to perform in those situations. And it's not like the pressure didn't get to him. Of course, he's feeling the pressure. I mean, even the best in the world in that type of situation would feel the pressure. Uh, Dustin, you can go back to Justin Thomas a couple of weeks ago uh, when he had the one-shot lead going into the final round and couldn't keep it. And then uh, Cantley came in and closed it out. But uh, what I really noticed was on 17, you know, that was a really bad bogey. Brian Gay on 17 on a par five. He three putted the guy never three putts. He's been one of the better putters on tour for his whole career. Uh, the, the crazy thing is, you know, he's kept his tour card for like 20 years or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's never lost his card. And like, it, that takes a lot. That's pretty damn good. When you're that type of golfer, a fringe type golfer, who's never really going to be elite to keep his card for that many years is really impressive. What, what he did on 17, he three put it. And then coming back on to 18, that approach shot from the rough with a little bit of a, a slopey lie to hit that within two feet for a tap-in was sick. And then, you know, you see Wyndham Clark miss the putt on 18 for the win. And then in the playoff, of course, you know, Wyndham hits it 30 yards past him on a drive. They both did great drives. Brian Gay hits it to about 15 feet. Wyndham hits it to about 10. And Gay, in true match play form, hits that thing right in the bottom of the cup, puts the pressure on Wyndham, and Wyndham can't make that final putt to win. So it, it was great. And so I actually bet Brian Gay live Friday night. So, you know, I don't – as most of you know, I don't drink during the week anymore. So on Fridays, I get lit, like beyond lit, like crazy. I make up for all the lack of drinking that I do in, in the middle of the week on Friday night, okay? And so like 3 in the morning or something, it was late. It was maybe not that late, but it was late. I was looking through the, the, the book that I'm using and um, I, I, I go ahead and, and I'm like, Oh, Brian Gay, he shot pretty well Friday. He can putt. Oh, let me it's 125 to one. Let me just throw that down there. And then I totally forgot. I put the bet in because, you know, I was hammered uh, until like, you know, Sunday morning and I'm looking through my bets. I'm like, who do I have? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, sh when the hell did I make this bet? Hell yes. And then you see him go and he went, he goes ham on Friday. Um, I think, what do you shoot? Like 31 or 29 on the best, something like 30 on the back uh, with a bogey. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, so how was your week? I mean, how did, what'd you think about the event? Yeah, the event was not ideal. Like I said, I, you know, you, you probably saw the title of the pod last week. You weren't on it, but we, we so carefully named it the Bermuda dumpster fire because it was basically, you know, championship that, that was sort of the, the dub nickname because it was just so bad. And it just, you know, one of the things that stood out to me, I guess, and Baroff and I even talked about it last week was when you looked at the leaderboard from the year before, it only been played here once before Brendan Todd had won it. Now, funny that now you see Brian Gay was third the year before here comes back and wins it. But you know, one of the things that stood out, and I guess I didn't pay enough attention to it was that the board was pretty boring the year before, like only Scheffler and wise, maybe, you know, Hank Lebiota, you know, Harry Higgs. There was a couple guys in there. And if you go back to this year, what do you see? Gay, you know, sink Jones, Hearn, armor, like all these guys again. And, you know, 
it's just one of those things, right? It, it's just takes some precision, takes some, definitely some experience down the stretch. That shot by Brian Gay on 18 to put it down to what was it? Two feet. And yeah, then force, you know, eventually, you know, um, force the playoff. That was something to see. Like that's again, just ice in your veins on the line, everything. I don't know. There's obviously luck involved, but it just seemed like it was just going to go that way the whole time to me just watching it. So yeah, you know, Clark had his chances seemed to be in, you know, pretty good spirits after it obviously sucks to lose, but you know, he was right there. He was in the mix. He had a shot. We'll see what he can do this week. It's kind of interesting that he's back in the field again, but other than that, man, not a lot stood out. Cool to see Ollie Schneider Jens up there. Bearoff really liked him last week. Mentioned him quite a few times. 6,200 was just too low for him. Saw that. Other than that, Doc, Denny, you know, just not nothing that excited me. Like, if you look at this board, it just was definitely one of the least exciting events of the year as far as, uh, as golf goes. But nevertheless, man, we got one more here right now. The Houston Open, two things. One, pump because the Houston Open, not this location, not this time of year, but is my biggest whenever in DFS when Poulter came back and beat Hostler in that event. That was a six-figure Sunday, so got to love that. Some good vibes there. Get back into the swing of things. It's a new month, November. And then, yeah, like you said, man, one week away from the Masters. So I know we got a big election coming up here first for all you Americans out there and yourself, Kenny. So you got that. And then, you know, next week we're going into the Masters, man, the most exciting major of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a couple of, yeah, there's definitely, I can't wait for the Masters. But a couple of other things about this event. I think Danny's going to have a win soon. Uh, I did hear, you know, we've all been talking about, I heard on another podcast that um, he has a new swing coach and we've sort of seen his swing be rejuvenated a little bit with a better tee to green game, better iron game here lately. That could be something that uh, could, could be playing a factor. You see the old man sink still balling out there. Doc Redman, who I think a win is on the horizon very soon for him. And then of course my man, Ryan Armour, who, you know, Basically, he's not that very good. But one of my biggest bets last week was, um, other than the Brian Gay bet, I put a pretty big shot, I think like 40, 50 bucks on uh, Ryan Armour top 20. Uh, that hit, I've been actually really on a heater uh, here recently uh, when it comes to betting wise. Like my favorite bet of the week on the side I write for, uh, it's well over a 50% win percentage. It's won quite a few times in the last month. Uh, usually they're top 20 bets or top 10 bets. Uh, that, I, that I've hit here recently, a whole bunch of those. Uh, the armor bet was nice. Um, I've been hitting a lot of uh, football bets as well. I'm like 7-0 and oh in my last seven football bets. Like this past weekend, I bet – this past week, I bet the Falcons, uh, uh, the Steelers, and the uh, the uh, Seahawks uh, all – you know, they, they all did their thing. I, and then, of course, tomorrow is the election. Uh, and even though I might have voted for Biden – I bet on Trump because I think, I don't know, there's a lot of undercover Trump people out there, and I think that he might win. So so for both political parties there, I'm, I, you can't hate me because, you know, I might have voted for Biden, but I'm betting on Trump tomorrow. So so that, that's how it's going to go for that. Um, yeah, it's going to be chaos. So actually I went to um, – I had a meeting downtown in D.C. Uh, for another job that we're trying to get on Friday, and all the stores were boarding up. Like it was going to be like a hurricane or something they are expecting some wild shit in my city uh coming up depending on who wins tomorrow so it's gonna if we're alive uh, if the world is still standing we'll we'll definitely have the master's pod next week maybe early depending on when the uh the uh pricing comes out uh but we'll see what happens with like the world uh, starting tomorrow <laughs> but <laughs> so um so so no listener league this week um you, did you already go over that 
No, actually, good call, and you mentioned it just now. Yeah, if we get the pot out early, or if we don't, the good news is I'm told that, so first off, the Listener League is back for this week. I tweeted it out today. If you guys don't follow me, at Toteg and Tambo on Twitter, you can go check it out. And then we retweet it on the you know Fantasy Golf Degenerates Twitter as well, so you guys can get in. It's back to the 750 man, 500 bucks up top, 50, to, 50 bucks to 10th place, you know, $5 three max that we've always had with low rake. It's around 10%, but it, you know, it's, if it hasn't been filling, it's actually better than that, right? So there's that situation. But anyway, because of last week's miss, they've now doubled it for the Masters is what they've promised us. So it's going to be a 1,500 man, nice little balance structure, $5 three max, low rake is, again, but if it depends on when they get it out. If it doesn't get out early enough and it doesn't end up filling, that's just the extra overlay they're paying us back with, paying forward to you guys that it'll be a, a bigger tournament with some good money up top, possibly very low rake and worst case scenario around 10%. So I think it's good. I'm excited to be back in it again this week. We had a nice little four man last week with bear off winner of each one, as you guys know, gets into our year end tournament, which will be bigger this year and better. Even than last year, we just had our first one and it was a lot of fun, I think. And then you've got, uh, you know, the three man with Kenny and I, the free month at Roto Grinders, pretty much everything you can ask for. Uh, and in the meantime, you win 500 bucks for winning the tournament. So it's a lot of fun and it's back again this week. So go check that out and get yourself in there at least once, if not three times. All right. So let's head to this week. The PGA Tour heads to Houston, Texas for the Vivint Houston Open from Memorial Park Golf Course. This is another course that appears to have limited information in terms of PGA play, just like it's been the last few weeks. Uh, this makes it, of course, a little bit tougher to figure out uh, what to look for in golfers. But there is some information we can look at to try and make it easier. Uh, the course was originally designed by John Brenimus, who also did some work in the design of Colonial Country Club. Uh, recently, though, in the last year, the course was redesigned by Tom Doak. And although none of Tom Doak's courses have had a PGA Tour run, he did intern for Pete Dye. Uh, there have been some speculation um, that sawgrass and other dye courses could be seen as correlated courses since Doak has spoken about how much influence dye has had on his career. Uh, another aspect for this week is the Korean connection. Uh, as the majority of Korean golfers on tour live in the Houston area, uh, I'm not really sure how many of them have played the course since the redesign. But they could have the advantage of sleeping in their own beds uh, every night. And, of course, having, you know, if they live in the area, they're used to the Texas winds, which could be a factor, especially when it comes to this weekend. So roster all Koreans. It's one of those weeks, once again, my people. Uh, so Memorial Park is a 7,450-yard par 72 with five par fives and five par threes. We're seeing this five and five again this week. Two of the par fives should be reachable by all golfers in two. Two of the other par fives will be reachable by longer golfers unless there is wind at the golfer's back, which could lead to more golfers trying for eagle. Uh, the par five eight hole is a mammoth 630 yards and should play as a three-shot hole for most. Three of the par threes range from 200 to 235 yards, and the last two are much shorter, ranging from 155 to 167 yards. Now, when it comes to the par fours, two play fairly short with yards right at or just below 400 yards. Three par fours range from 440 to 455 yards, and three are very long, ranging from 490 to 505 yards. Now, looking at this, I think we see a fair amount of shots from over 200 yards uh, every round, either off the tee or on approaches um, uh, onto the green. Off the tee, golfers will see tree-lined fairways that have been widened a bit by Tom Doak. I'm not exactly sure how, tr 
how wide they truly are. And I'll try and update this uh, in my article uh, Wednesday. I do an add-on uh, on Wednesday afternoons. Um, from what I've heard, the trees aren't too bunched like they are at Colonial, and golfers will have outs most of the time when they miss wildly into the trees. The one thing you won't see much of is bunkers. There are only about 20 bunkers on the course with only two water hazards that are in play on four holes. The rough around the fairways is Bermuda grass and should be around two and a half to three inches tall. Now, even though the rough isn't like crazy tall, I do hear that it's pretty thick. And when it comes to Bermuda rough, it's easy to get fire, flyer lies. So hitting it in the rough will make it tough to get the correct distance golfers need for their approaches. Now, I don't think missing a lot of fairways will make it impossible to play well, uh, but I do think it might bring the need for a better short game into play. Maybe. We'll see. Of course, we don't really know since they haven't played this course since like 1963, and it's not even close to how it originally looked back then. Uh, now, on approaches, golfers will see above average size Bermuda grass greens. The greens may be slightly large when it comes to square footage, but many are crowned on the edges, and depending on pin locations, the landing areas uh, to have a good birdie chance are pretty small. If golfers miss the greens, they have to deal with many shortly mown runoff areas similar to what we see next week in Augusta. I couldn't find a stint meter rating, so that's another thing that I'll add on uh, to my article on Wednesday, Tambo. What are you looking for in golfers this week? What's your best guess, I guess, since we have really nothing to go on once again? It's, it's worse, yeah, right? Because it's, just, it's a course for the first time. It's guys that are waiting. We're deciding what they're doing before the Masters, where everyone's coming out. I'll talk about that in a second more. But, yeah, you know, like you said, five par fives makes it extremely interesting. So I think that's going to come into play. It sounds like the wind won't be there till the weekend. Obviously, check back throughout the week. That can change on a dime. But you mentioned a lot of it. You know, the, the bunkers thing I thought was kind of funny because Brooks Kepka is – a guy that was involved in the, in the redesign and basically said what I believe is the truth. You know, when, if I go in the bunker, I'm terrible at golf, you know, but I can break a hundred, but I'm saying, but if I go out and I go in the bunker, I'm just, I feel like just take a drop and, and take the stroke. I don't even care. I hate playing out of the bunker. And he said the opposite obviously is what true for the pros is basically said the pros don't give a shit about bunkers. So it's not going to be a, a hindrance. If you've got a bunch of bunkers out here, just get rid of them. They only mess with the amateurs. So I thought that was interesting. It's like, you know, or was he trying to fix it up for himself? But he's only got a pretty good bunker game. We've seen at times in the majors and whatnot. But here's the thing, Kenny. I want to know this. How are you handling this narrative, if you will, of the guys that are here, the big names at the top, are apparently is what I'm hearing out there is they're not going to try and win this event because they don't want to peak before the Masters next week. I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at it. I, I do think the more established golfers – might have that feeling where it's just a tune-up. You look at the winners here, the past, whatever, the, you know, when it was before the Masters in the past, you're looking at, like, guys like DA Points, Jim Herman, like, other names like that, guys with, with a lot of uh, higher odds. Um, I, I think, first off, when it comes to you know, DJ and Adam Scott with the COVID, I think they're coming just to tune-up. Uh, I think a lot of the other bigger names, it's possible that they're going to do that as well. But there's no way we, that we can judge that at all. Like the Hattons, the Sergios, the Days, the guys that are going to be playing who have like established themselves as really good tour pros for a long amount of time. I think it's possible that this is just a tune-up for these guys. But you can't really – you're just taking a wild guess here. So, I mean, when it comes to DFS, if you like them, play them. Um, now, I'd say the less established guys – uh, you know, and the younger golfers who don't have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in their bank account that are a stat, that are playing next week. I think those guys should just play. 
If you like him, you just play. I don't think those guys you have to worry about. The established golfers, the elite golfers, it's definitely something that you I would think about when I, I when I, I'm not saying don't roster them other than DJ and Scott because I'm not going to roster those guys, and that's more COVID related as well. But yeah, I, there's something to think about there. What do you think about that? I'm I'm pretty much against it. I just think it's dumb because if you think about it, like DJ, what's more of a statement? You know, coming here for a tune-up and then winning the Masters, or winning this and then coming out winning the Masters right after. You know, you got to win. If they're in the mix, like, sure, I guess if they're, you know, dead on Friday or they wake up and decide, you know, let's get to a guy. I don't know. It's just I have a hard time believing these guys are going to show up and not play their A game to try and win. You know, there's always these things in the past. With Remember Phil Mickelson? He's just going to go try a bunch of crazy cut shots here because he's going to get ready for Augusta and blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, we've seen it a couple times. I remember Ricky Fowler, people saying it about him and then him making some runs both back-to-back at the Houston Open and then making a run at the Masters the following week. So, I don't know. It's really, there's not a lot of guys. If you think about it, it's going to be like, what, DJ, Kepka? I mean, Matsuyama, Hovland, Hatton, those types of guys, they got to win tournaments. Hatton's been doing it. Get, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, I don't think Hatton's going to be like, oh, let's just give this one the old college try and pray for Augusta next week. He's going to try and win another tournament. This is huge for him to keep winning over here. This would be awesome. So I'm going to still play guys like him. And then as you go down, it's like you said, a guy like Scott, Sergio Day. Yeah, they've got the money, but I think they're all going to still, you know, Sergio just won a tournament. So, did he already peak? Who knows? It just seems like a, a crazy narrative. I'm going to play the best golfers and the guys that I like at the top. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I think this could be a hot take because we don't know how the course is really going to play. But, like, if some of these guys that you're worried about that are playing next week start – okay, this is a crazy hot take. I just came out of this out of the blue. But if, they're play, if they start round one on the front nine, which has three par fives uh, and, like, you know – and it has three par fives, and only one of the par fours are over what 443 yards. Yeah, I think if you know if they start, they can start strong. I think it all depends on how they start. You know the event. If if they fuck up in the beginning, they could just go out for the rest of the couple of days and just try and tune up for what they're going to do for Augusta. I think that's definitely a possibility. And I think I think I'm guessing. The front nine will play easier with the shorter par fours, the three par, the three par fives. There's, I think there's two longer uh, par threes, but it's not even, even the mammoth par three, the 235 yarders on the back. You know, you got a couple of uh, par five, you got the 500 yard par five uh, on the back. You got the 490 yard par four, I'm sorry, the 500, 500 yard par four and the 490 yard par four on the back. Like, if you're golfers like, you know, these elite day, Sergio, Hatton, uh, DJ, uh, you know, those guys, if they're starting on the front nine, I think it's more realistic. They have a chance to keep doing – stay for all four days and try and win this event because I think a hot start is a lot easier if you start on the front nine. Total guess. Total narrative because I mean, total galaxy brain. Yeah, crazy. yeah. Because yeah. the guy I, that I, starts I on the back nine might have like a two under round going and then hit the front and just blitz it and be six, seven under for first round leader. That's true, too. That's what? true, too. And then he's ready to rock out for the yeah. whole, you know, yeah. let's win this thing. And I guess the last thing I would just say is like, I think it was actually Phil Mickelson, but it was someone had said it in the past. I read it somewhere today just saying, if I, you know, what better way to prove I'm ready for next week than to go out and win this event? and just dominate here. It's still the Houston open. It's still a big paycheck. It's still a, d- a decent field. There's lots of, you know, talk around it. So I don't know. I'm against it, but yeah, I, we'll see who you like at the top. But when you got, you know, that'll segue us in when you've got Dustin Johnson, 11,500 
and Tony Finau is 10-9, what do you do? Uh, I, like I said, I'm not playing DJ. Uh, I'm not playing DJ this week. Uh, you know, the only guy who's really come back from COVID and played well is Finau. Uh, and the crazy thing is Finau's the one that admitted it really fucked him up. Like, he was fucked up off COVID. It wasn't just well, he like took, He young. took extra time, too. Yeah, he did take yeah, an extra yeah. week or two. It wasn't like, you know, I got through it easy. It was like, the shit really messed me up. Like, I was really sick. Uh, he was the only one to really admit that uh, after he came back. And then, of course, he came back and had a top 15 in his first time back. But everyone else we've seen uh, that has Scheffler, uh, what, Grace, uh, who am I missing here, Tampa? Other guys that have had to come back from it. They haven't really shown that they've been able to do it. So I'm a little worried about that. And again, I'm me and Campbell are different on this narrative. I'm thinking more that he might, you know, just be, be a tune-up, get 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 game ready uh, yeah. for the next week. So you I'm mentioned playing- the guy there, the guy there who's hoping that your narrative is true is Tony Fino because he'd love to pick up a win anytime, let alone. Well, yes, here. exactly. So That's why I'm playing Tony. True, sure. I'm playing Tony uh, at this price. It's crazy. I don't know why. But I'm playing Tony because the man has been playing pretty fucking good golf. I, I, we'll see if he can finally get his win. Uh, but he's been playing pretty decent. 11th, 8th, 5th, 4th, 3rd, 8th, uh, all in his last 10 starts. Um, so, I mean, he's been around that area, you know. And I think that, you know, if you take away DJ, if you take away – actually, if you just take away DJ, you know, he can, he can beat everybody else in this field pretty handily every time he plays. Uh, but so I'm going to play Tony, uh, again, approach games. Good. I think he's long enough. I do think length will help a lot, uh, this week. I, I think there's going to be a lot of drivers hit. I think I probably, uh, I'd say eight or nine holes at least where, where, where drivers going to be played. There's those three really long par fours that they got. They got the five par fives. You know, I think drivers going to be used a bunch and Tony's definitely long enough. Uh, he'll get those par fives done. If the wind picks up, he's good around the greens. Um, the price is not great for a guy who never wins. That's true, but I, I'm going to play him. The other guy I'm playing in this range is Brooks. Now, of course, Brooks, if you didn't know, helped redesign this course with Tom Doak. Uh, I think he probably knows this course better than almost everyone in the field. I mean, it hasn't been long since it's opened back up. Uh, you know, because of COVID and all that stuff. So I don't know how many guys have been able to go out and actually get a chance to play this with the redesign, but Brooks has to know this course pretty damn well uh, if he helped redesign it. Uh, so I'm going to play those two guys up top. And the thing is, Kepka, I think when it comes to the narrative that we were talking about, he needs a little bit of momentum going into this event. He's been playing like garbage. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and the injury could have something to do with it, but the man was doing some crazy workouts on Instagram less than a month ago where he was bouncing like a 50-pound medicine ball left and right at full speed over and over again. He looks really in shape. Like, you know, he was getting sort of that dad bod there for a little bit, but like recently when I've seen him, he looks like he's pretty in shape. Um, so I'm not too worried about the injury factor. I'm a little bit worried about the not playing good golf factor, uh, but hopefully that was injury-related. And he can come back this week, garner a little bit of momentum going into the Masters next week, which I think he needs. Uh, I, I, who are you playing? Man, I don't even know. I'm playing DJ. I know that. It, it, the rest of it up top is hard to decipher because there's a bunch of different angles that I can take here. Like, you know, you mentioned it. Finau actually hasn't been playing good golf. If nobody's going to play him because he's just the craziest price of all time for a guy that doesn't win, 
I kind of like him. You know, Kepka is actually, you know, in the time he's been playing golf the last little bit here, hasn't been that bad. He's been struggling a little bit with the putter and he's much better on Bermuda grass green. So, you know, that's a, an insight piece there. And then the one I really like, I guess here's the two I know I'm playing is DJ and Hatton because Decky's right at 10 K where I always hate him, but who knows? It's another, he'd be the guy to play in that same narrative that if nobody else is going to show up, him and Fina really need a win. So that's like the contrarian way to go in tournaments is get your Finau Matsuyama lineups. But Hatton to me, again, people want to keep going away from it. I, I even went off him a little bit last time, but he just keeps showing it. And he's the guy that like, I don't think gives a shit about anything else. He's just going to keep trying to win. He's, he always plays with passion. You know, you see it out on the course, he gets pissed, but then he's still up there. Like, man, 10-3 isn't actually that bad if you think about it for this field. And if you go down to like, you know, 92, 93, 91, you talked about these Sergio Scott Day type plays. Do you want to play them or do you want to just pay up and get a guy like Hatton? Right. So yeah, I, I like, I like that. I, I, I was, I thought about Hatton. I'm thinking about playing him. Uh, his as stats well. really line up too, man. Yeah. If you look at everything across the board, even his par five scoring is good Is par three DraftKings, birdies are better. Everything you can think of approach everything for the last 50 rounds. The guy's just dialed, obviously. Well, Also, he's really good with longer irons. He's good on long par threes or three par threes over 200 yeah. yards. Uh, I think I am going to play him also because I like a lot of guys in the seven and six K range a ton. Uh, and so it, I know the field drops off heavily uh, after probably Hovland uh, in skill wise uh, and, yeah. and uh, winning equity. Uh, so maybe it would be a good idea playing uh, going stars and scrubs and playing uh, as many of these guys up top in a 10 K range as possible. Now, single lineup and entries. I don't know if I go, maybe you could still go with two of these guys, maybe not DJ and one of these guys, but like Hatton and Kepka. Yeah, that would probably work. A Hatton and Finau maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so I, 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 I like that call on Hatton. I was definitely thinking about him and you just talked me into him playing him, especially with like, I have all these names written down for the seven K range. It's like 20 dudes in a seven to six K range that I really, really like. And from like, and from the eight K range and up, I got like 10, 12. Uh, maybe, you know, so, so maybe you are correct about that. I think I'm going to play Hatton as well. Yeah, I'm certainly going to commit a lot more. You know, obviously I got my show over on Roto Grinders on Wednesday. It's not just to public, you know, push that. It's more about just right now. There's a lot of unknowns here. I want to hear some of the interviews with these guys at the top. You know, it's all these little things that add up, but typically you'll be able to get a little bit of a sense of what's going on, hear a little bit about more, more about the course. I mean, it's just Monday night right now. We've got 48 hours to make decisions and beyond, but that's, you know, typically where we're at. But right now it's DJ and Hatton. For me, I, I could see the others. I can, I can hear this. Is the reason I'm, you know, even thinking about Brooks is because I can hear what you said earlier. I just thought about Brooks and Spieth, both making noise here, just enough that everyone's talking about him for next week, right? Of course, going. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing. Healthcare, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. 
This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Into the, into the Masters, is Spieth back? Is Kepka ready to win another major? Blah, blah, blah. Let's wait for it, right? So I don't know. That's all narrative stuff, of course, but the guys I'm actually on are DJ and Hatton at the top. What about this 9K range? Because I think you like Mr. You just said the talent drops off after Hovland, but you've, you're dropping out here the rookie of the year that's right below him that beat him in that match. Yeah, Scheffler's just not doing it for me here lately. <laughs> uh, he's a very, very momentum-driven golfer, I think. Like, when he's hot, he's hot. And when he's not, he's not. And I think he's at a point in time where he's just not. Uh, so no, no Scheffler for me. But Victor Hovland is my first cash game cornerstone. If you look at his last 100 rounds on tour, he's top five in, in this field and approach. Tee the green, draft king points, birdie or better, strokes gain off the tee, par five scoring. He's also top, he's also top 10 in 200, uh, proximity from 200 yards plus. Long par threes, he's really good at. Uh, he's third in my model. I'm starting with Hovland in my cash game cornerstones. There's no doubt about that. For me, he doesn't miss very many cuts. We usually don't have to worry about that with him. Um, now, his upside hasn't been the best lately, but, you know, <laughs> top 15 every time. Uh, top 15, top 20s, a bunch of them here recently. Maybe he can make that extra leap and get the top five, maybe even a win. So we're going to start with Victor Hovland. My second cash game cornerstone, I'm going with the fellow Korean, Sung Jae Im. Now, Sung Jae doesn't live in Houston. So that narrative is sort of off uh, with that. But I <laughs> He know lives he spent, anywhere, doesn't he? He lives yeah, in hotels. Know, know, he lives on people's couches. He goes wherever he wants. I know he spent time in Houston talking with KJ Choi. KJ Choi is the godfather of Korean golf. That's why all the Koreans live in Houston, because they all want to be around him. He's literally a god uh, to these Korean golfers. Like, this guy came up, he beat Tiger. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, oh, no, that was – I'm sorry. That's uh, um, the other dude. But he won a player's championship. And, 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 and you know, he, he's been the, – you know, he, he's the one that brought Korean men's golf on the map in Korea. Uh, so a lot of these guys in the Korean, you know, culture, it's a huge respect for elders. Uh, they think – we think that, like, our elders are incredibly knowledgeable uh, just because of the time that they've lived on this world, which is, you know, I think true. Uh, and so a lot of, you know, so a lot of these young Korean golfers, they have moved to Texas to be around KJ, to, you know, ask him questions, be what he needs to be. And so Sungjae, I know, has done that. Now, he doesn't live in Houston, but I know he's gone to Houston, visited KJ, talked to him. Uh, that's not the narrative I'm going with. The reason I like him is because if you look uh, at what he's done here recently, it looks like his iron game is back. You know, that's what sort of got him, um, you know, to his win in Honda uh, with a solid iron game. And then when he came back from the, uh, the break, the COVID break, uh, his iron game looked lost. And he looked, he looked lost. But in his last six events, he has not lost strokes with his approaches. And he's also uh, very good off the tee when it comes to being – he's not exceptionally long, uh, but he hits a lot of fairways. And, then, you know, if that rough is thick and you get a lot of flyer lies, I think that would help. Uh, but he's not, like, incredibly short. He's still top half of this field uh, in driving distance. He crushes par fives, you know, good with his longer irons. Uh, so I'm a fan of Sungjae. He's my second cash game cornerstone. And the other guy I'm playing in this range oh, is going to be Russell Henley. Um, he's just been playing too well. Uh, I thought he peaked uh, a few weeks ago uh, when you looked at – what was it? I didn't play him at the Zozo. I thought he peaked in the CJA Cup, and then he comes back and gains 9.2 strokes with his approaches. 
at the Zozo Championship, you know. And the thing is, if you look look at if you look at his strokes gained approach in his last ten rounds, it's sick. 8.2 gain, 6 gain, 1. 6, 7.1, 3.2, 4.8, 1.8, 4.1, 3.4, 9.2. 1. And, of course, his weakness is, is been his putter. His best putting surface is Bermuda. Um, so I'm going to go back with it. The guy's just been playing too well for me not to. I'm not sure how many people are going to jump back on his bandwagon with all these other names. Like, you look at the names around him, you know, Hovland, Scheffler, Adam Scott, Sungjae, Sergio. Are you really going to play Henley? Are most people going to click Henley? I doubt it. Uh, so we'll see what his ownership is. I think I don't think it's going to be that high, uh, but I am not an ownership guru. We missed Brad about that. He was the man about that. And, of course, the site I work for and the site you work for both have, you know, Rotor Grinders. They have the, the ownership projection is on there as well i think he will come out low uh so i'm gonna play uh mr russell henley who do you like yeah i definitely like henley as you just talked about for all the same reasons i remember it was i think it was 2017 when he won the the shell or whatever he was like 33 to 1 and everyone passed and he, of course he goes on to win so everyone you know the joke this week is do they know it's not the same course that this is totally different i i don't know if they do but i know that he's been playing some incredible golf and like you said it feels just like one of those spots where We'll talk about another one in a minute here, but you know, at, at 9,400, it feels like that. Uh, for those playing the Jeopardy game home with Kenny, it was Y.E. Yang, who you were talking about, that, that, yeah, yeah. that shocked the world and took down Tiger. So, uh, yeah, but I, I love your M call. And if we're doing Kenny's Koreans today, and that's probably the title after this of what we're doing here, there's going to be a lot of them that we bring up. Uh, I do like the Sungjae M call. Like you said, the irons are back. Honda has even been talked about a little bit just for the fact of, you know, the course style and the greens, everything there where, you know, some guys that have done well there in Sawgrass are guys that are being brought up for this week as sort of correlations. We talked about not really loving Scott and Garcia. I'm kind of with you there. But here's the deal. I lost to you. Actually, you weren't on last week to the victory lap. It, I did just lose to you on the Ricky answer bet when we doubled down after, the, yep, after yep. tying the first week. Yep. I will take the rookie of the year, Scotty Scheffler, over Hovland this week. He actually had an amazing Zozo. So he shook the COVID stuff off that you talked about. He came back at 37th after the COVID, came back, had a good Zozo. But you might have forgot he is a, he's a, him, himself as a Texas boy, Kenny. So you got to think being in this area, being around, you know, this is going to be a spot for him. And this is someone who's not just going to come out and warm up and try anything. He's going to come out and try and win this thing. And if you look at the numbers for him, par five, DK scoring, birdies are better, uh, you know, T to green, everything has looked good. So, uh, I'm definitely back in on Scheffler. And then if you just look at what he's been doing lately, basically, you know, all the stuff, you know, not just the events stats wise, I'm talking about with all of his numbers across the board for like the last three months are all extremely solid. And then you look back at, you know, like I said, 17th of Zola was dialed in with Tita Green and approach. So a uh, little bit wider fairways here, like you talked about, I think you can get away with quite a bit. So those two for me, you know, sorry, three Scheffler, Henley and M. And the guy I like actually at the bottom is 9,000 is Jason Day. And just one thing I read today, it was first thing this morning. I can't remember who put it out there, but it was somebody who basically played this course quite a bit recently. Local somebody, I think it was retweeted. Mayo might've retweeted actually now that I think about it. And the guy said that, you know, the around the green stuff is where they get you, right? It's going to be that. He's like, you don't always have a good you know shot in. The greens are a little bit tricky. Who's the guy in the field that has some of the best around the green game and one of the best putters on tour and that's Jason Day. So I know what it is with him. Withdraws, the, the um, kink in his neck, whatever it was when he was three under that day. It was obviously something. But 
at the same time, he hasn't done much lately. I don't think many will go back to him. And when you think about sort of this range, we're about to get into the 8K range. You got a guy like Lanto Griffin at 8,900. Jason Day, like, I, I don't know. It's tough for me to avoid at 9,000 with that around the green game and that putter. Getting ready for Augusta, a little bit wider fairways, all the stuff that we just talked about. So I'll take some of him down there at 9K straight as well. Yeah, I think I can get on board with Jason Day as well. If you look at his stats on Bermuda, uh, third in the field in strokes game punting in his last 100 rounds, second in draft game points, uh, you know, second in strokes game short game, uh, you know, in the last 100 rounds on Bermuda. I can get down with J- Jason Day. Uh, I've thought about him definitely as well, and you talked me into him once again. So I'll probably play Mr. Day uh, as well in that range. And he's definitely long enough, and this becomes a course where you need bombers. Uh, he fits that narrative with a good putter. Uh, that could probably work. All right, so let's go to this 8K range, Tampa. Why don't you go ahead? Well, I just the thing about Griffin, that's what I want to get to the bottom of because he's obviously playing some great golf. This is going to be one of the biggest sticker shock price tags we've seen in a while, right? We've been talking about him, the Rick Gaiman rule, 7,000 or 6,900. You know, that backfired at 7,000. He was still good. So is he still good at almost 9,000? I don't know. But, uh, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting, they talked about in the broadcast there last week, was about him hanging out with BJ Singh. And, and yeah, Brian, I heard that. What a weird combo. Oh, it's right? the most insane uh, combination. Here, but was- here's the thing: if you look, if you think about Lanto, he's from Blacksburg, Virginia. Like I went to Tech, I went to Virginia Tech. Like he's from where I went to school. Like it's some country like cows on a hill, smells like manure type shit. <laughs> you know, in that in that neighborhood. Maybe not so much now, but when I went there in '98, that's what it was. Um, you know, and he he's he's I guess ten years younger than me, so it was still like that when he was growing up. Um, yeah, and to be friends with VJ, who you know, uh, who pulled the gun out on somebody. Did you ever hear that story about VJ? I definitely didn't hear that. He did not hear that story. There was VJ. somebody tailgating him on the road. There was somebody. It was there. there somebody, uh, uh, either a caddy or somebody, was following him after a tournament, and there was somebody uh, tailgating him. I guess right. Um, and um, he and the guy passed him, and VJ pulled up right next to him with a gun. In his hand. I don't know if the story's true, Jeez. but it's a story that I've heard with a gun in his hand, like tapping the window and shit. Like VJ is probably one of the most hated people on tour. People hate his ass. You know what I'm saying? And and to be friends with him is such a weird combo. But go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. No, ain't no fun when VJ got the gun. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah they they uh they said that. But the one thing, you know, the key point they were trying to point out, what I you know I couldn't agree more with. I guess from everything I've seen lately, is just they talked about the grinding aspect and how VJ just never leaves the course. Obviously, they'd be out there doing a lot of stuff together and just giving him sort of the mindset that he needs. Like you talked about earlier with these guys, KJ Choi. You mentioned you were trying to talk about Ye Yang. Back in the day, VJ was one of those guys, man. Him, Phil, they were right up there, still in the mix, sort of the only ones that were even odds on have a chance to go against Tiger. Nobody really had a chance, but you know what I mean, right? So there was there's other no VJ went toe to toe Tiger. Absolutely. So I just think that's interesting, and it makes some sense. You know what what we've seen him doing. It's just a a name, and and this you know DraftKings is at least finally respecting him with this price tag. I don't think he'll get very much ownership, especially when you get into these next couple guys here that got all the stats to go with it, right? You got Doc Redman, Corey Connors. The one thing that worries me about Connors is that same conversation I just had about Jason Day. If if it's gonna be more about that around the green game and that sort of stuff, that's not really his mo. So he has to be able to make putts. And, you know, we've seen that happen for him at times. But it, what if the irons are just slightly off or anything? It just could be big trouble for a guy like him there. So I would side with Redmond. I've heard some Zach Johnson talk. You know, I'm not really going back there. I think the, the chalk is sort of what I like here. And that's going to be a couple guys with uh, Sibu Kim, just too good at 8,300 for what he's been doing. All the numbers across the board. Anything of correlations that 
go with the course. Basically, you know, Bermuda greens, we know he loves those, you know, just everything. Even before the restart, he had a good first round at the players too. A lot are going to talk about Hideki, but uh, he was still right in the mix of things there. That's the sawgrass side of things. And then Cam Davis. So here's like, this is just a gut feel. I've spent a lot of time. This is the weirdest thing about this event. I feel like the most unprepared as I possibly have ever felt for talking about an event, but I spent some of the most time on it in the past few podcasts because just had time today. And this is one I want to get into, but I just have this gut feel Kenny, that another Korean, Mr. James Han is going to do something here at 8,000 that nobody's going to be on him. And Cam Davis is going to be the, is going to be the chalk for, for good reason. He's, you know, par five killer, 8,100 bucks. We know he just scores like crazy. It's like, how does he meet? There's no way he misses the cut. Right. So you want to be on that, but, but I just have this feeling that, you know, you're going to see James Hahn do something here at 8,000 and with Cam Davis, you know, being the, all the ownership here, I think it would be a really good tournament pivot is to go on to a guy like James Hahn. Do you got anything on Hahn? Because, you know, besides his recent form, ninth, sixth, and fifth at the Safeway, the, the Corrales and the Shriners, I don't think many are talking about him, you know, either way. And it's just going to be a bunch of ownership on Cam Davis. So where are you at in this 8K range and maybe start with that and then move your way up? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm playing all the Koreans, so I'm playing James Hahn. There's no doubt about that. I wasn't going to bring him up because it's obvious from what, I, what I've been saying, I want to play the Koreans. Um, I don't think he lives in Houston either, but I don't care. The, the form he's on right now is the best form of his career. Uh, he's had wins in the past, but they've been out of the fucking blue. You know, he's not the most consistent player out there on tour at all, you know. And so you get three straight top ten. I mean, you, you look at his win at, at Wells Fargo, he missed like eight cuts before that, uh, you know. So, I mean, the, the guy is not the most consistent dude out there. Uh, but – and the way he's playing now, maybe he found something. Uh, I'll be playing him. Uh, again, that's probably what I'll do. If you look at his win at Genesis in 2015, I think he had one top 20 with like five missed cuts in the 10, in the 10 events before that. So, yeah, I, I'm in on Han. Uh, I like Siwoo Kim, of course, again, I'm, I, this easy shit, play the Koreans. Um, and then um, I also do like uh, Doc this week a lot. I think he's on the verge. Uh, he's coming close. He had the 54-hole lead uh, going into the event last week, I think. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I think he's on the verge. I'm back with him. And I am playing Zach Johnson this week. Four wins in Texas. Uh, the guy, if it's windy, he could play in that area. His form has really come back to life after struggling here a bit. I think he makes a better cash play probably than a GPP play this week just because, um, uh, you know, his upside might be a little bit capped. Uh, but even even when he was playing poorly, he didn't miss many cuts. Uh, if you look since the restart, uh, it hasn't been the best form until the last you know, three weeks he's played. Um I, you know, maybe until the Wyndham, but he's only missed a couple of cuts since the restart. He doesn't miss many at all. So uh, I like him probably better for cash uh, this week. And so that, yeah, and I, 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 I'm iffy on Cam Davis because it, he fits the model, what we're looking for, length, what I'm looking for, length, good on par fives, you know, a little worried about his longer iron play. But, you know, again, an Aussie who, Deals with the wind pretty well, and I'm hearing 25 mile per hour gusts on the weekend. So we'll see. That's something that's going to be a weather related pick for me. Uh, we'll see how it goes as the week progresses. Uh, let's move on to the 7K range, and I'll go with my final two uh, cash game cornerstones. Uh, my first one is going to be. Hold on, let me look here. It's going to be Sam Burns uh, at $7,500. Um, the thing about Sam, 
one of the best putters on Bermuda, uh, second in strokes game putting in his last 100 rounds uh, on Bermuda, 11th of DK points in the same stat. The guy has been playing pretty decent golf, pretty consistent golf. Uh, not that many missed cuts uh, here recently. And, of course, Bermuda is his betting best uh, putting surface. I think he's missed uh, maybe – uh, three cuts since the restart. Three of his, he's probably missed like four of his last 15, 16 cuts. And at $7,500, I, I sort of like that when it comes down to him. Um, you know, off the tee, he's very, very strong. Uh, so I, I like him uh, at the cheap price of $7,500 uh, to make the cut. Um, again, you know, a really good off the tee, long and off the tee, par five scoring, top five. Uh, in this field in the last 100 rounds. And like I said, there's five par fives. He can really go off on those with his length. Uh, so I like Sam Burns. And my final guy is going to be the Mr. Cutmaker himself down below, Adam Shank, who's made like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 straight cuts in a row. And at $7,100 as your cheapest play in cash, uh, I will definitely go to him. If you look, he's also you know, long enough, uh, really good on longer par threes. And then, you know, Bermuda is by far his best putting surface uh, there is. If you look a little bit more recent in form, um, you know, everything's been there that, that we're looking for that we like. Uh, let me go ahead and look at him. You know, again, our, and, and the thing is, he's been really good around the green here recently. Uh, so if, if it does get windy and you do, do have to miss some greens, he can get it up and down with the best of them, at least what he's proven to me recently. So I like Adam Shank. So my four cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Victor Hovland at $9,800, Sungjae M at $9,300. Um, then we got uh, Sam Burns at $7,500 and Adam Shank at $7,100. This leaves like I don't know, like 15800 or something like that. It leaves a lot left on the board. I mean, plenty to go fill out the rest of your lineup. Other guys, if we go back up to the top of the range, um, I'm going back to – I like this range so much. I can talk about the 7K range all day. I'm going back to Danny again. Um, you know, the guy's just a birdie machine, really good on par fives, even though he's not that long. He's been playing really good. I told you about the, the swing the swing coach that he's got that he's working on, so it looks like his tee to green game's been a lot better. I'm going back to the well on Harold Varner um, as also uh, this week. Uh, you know, I know he hurt a lot of people's feelings last week. People might be off of him. I think he makes a great GPP play uh, at that price. And if you look at his long-range form, you know, one of the best – from 200 plus and there's going to be a, a lot of shots from that range really good on long par threes i think everything fits for him for this type of course i think last week was just an aberration i think friday with the wind uh it just got to him uh and hopefully he can make the cut and do something if it's windy on the weekend um other guys uh, eric van royen another guy who i think is going to go underlooked at this range again another spectacular long iron player a uh, really good off the tee with he has the, that special thing of length and accuracy that you're looking for um you know he's not exceptionally long but he's, i think he's like the top 50 in this field uh, when it comes to driving distance um Wyndham clark i'm going back to him as well this week now i think this course fits his game better than bermuda uh, and, and hopefully he can come back. I, I probably won't be heavy on him. Um, but, I mean, just his length and his par five acumen, I think I like him in that. Why don't you go over this top range? I think we got the whole 7K range there. To be I honest. know, right? 
I know. No, I'm just kidding. I, I think uh, Denny, who you mentioned, I'll go back to. Some of these price you know, changes are just insane, right? Like Denny's down to 7,900 after that outing. Varner's at 7,800 and missed the cut. One guy comes you know, fourth, one guy misses the cut, and that's the pricing decrease. Just odd to me. So both of those guys, EVR, who you mentioned, Wyndham Clark back on him, sprinkling some gooch. Fratelli was one you didn't mention. I like Burns, who you're on already. Don't got to rehash that one because like you said, everything you said with stats, Bermuda Greens, all that stuff. But um, Fratelli was good. The Zozo, I believe it was. And just in the last three months, his stats have been solid. Bermuda is his better surface. He's not really a great putter. But the big thing that stood out to me was par five scoring, tee to green in general, and around the green. So I think all those things could add up. The ability to you know get some upside here. And then after that, you know, it drops down. I like Aaron Wise after that, you know, just already liked him last week, par three, par five scoring, some other stuff that adds up. I heard some mention a little bit about this course with the trees missing, almost being like the, uh, what is it again? Uh, Trinity Forest, right? So if you go back to that's where he got his win at. So I do like Aaron Wise at 7,400. Piercy, I'll go back to Keegan Bradley just for some upside. I kind of like those guys. I don't know what to do with Norlander because I'm with you on Shank. The thing about Shank was we mentioned on last week's show, and again, another guy gets a huge price drop. Since the Safeway, he's just getting better. 61st, 56th, 32nd, 27th, and then last week, 26th, and he honestly could have done better. Well, he was so, like top five or top 10 going into Sunday. Uh, yeah. he, he sort of fell apart. on. I think he was maybe top 10. I think it was like seven or eight under going into Sunday, and he just couldn't get anything done after that. De- definitely a disappointing finish versus what it could have been. Still a good good finish, and you know at eighty one hundred, but now at seventy one hundred, that to me is just crazy. So hopefully people are playing a little bit more of, you know, Ollie. But there's other guys there, you know, Higgs, Straka. There, there's a bunch of guys you can play. So the seven K range is definitely loaded, but it's where you can sort of sprinkle guys around. I think it's still going to come down to what you do at the top. I still feel like somebody up there is going to pull through. I'm just not sure exactly who yet, but like I said, I like DJ and Hatton up there, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, a bunch of guys in this range. Can you have other, anybody else at the bottom of this range before we go to the 6K? One guy I'm playing is JT Poston. Um, I'll play him at 7,500. Again, another great Bermuda putter. Uh, and short game, really good, uh, especially when it comes to Bermuda greens. And of course, short game adds the putting uh, involved with that, so that definitely helps. Uh, I like JT Poston a lot in tournaments this week. Probably one of my favorite plays in tournaments. Uh, this week in the 7K range. I think he's going to go looked over. Uh, I think his ownership is going to be single digits. And I, he already has a win. Uh, and I think I think he can contend. Yeah, well, I think it was, um, wasn't it Wyndham or Sedg- Sedgefield? Another yeah. Bermuda Greens course where he made no yep. bogeys the entire week and won yep. the tournament. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that. Uh, I think that's interesting. And then let's go to the 6K range because here's where you get your Koreans, Kenny, that reside in Texas. You know, Danny Lee. Sung Kang, there's a couple that I'll name for you. But did you know this? Did you know Sung Kang? I know he goes by his actual name is like Kang Sung Hoon, but Sung Kang is the actual name of Han from Fast and the Furious, the actor. Yeah, I've talked I've talked about that before. Yes, I, I definitely know that. Yes, so Han Han from Fast and the Furious. We are definitely playing him this week at yes. sixty two hundred dollars. Definitely playing him uh, this week. I hear the next Fast and Furious movie is going to be in space random i just read about it so i think what it's gonna be in space so yeah, we'll see how that sh- that's when you know there's too many fast and furious yeah, I, 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 well shut it down. You, you know about the tom cruise movie too tom no. cruise is actually filming in space see this is crazy man they it's filming a movie in space I, we're going off the handles here but i just read some movie shit and i thought that was fucking incredible 
Uh, but go on. Who do you like in the 6K range? I thought you were going to take it away. I got uh, I got too excited there. I was giving you all the Asians. I, I do like oh, yeah. Danny Lee, who I talked about. Uh, you know, we, I've been hinting at this the last little while. We know he can make birdies. It's, you know, the type of course where he would pop at. I think this is a good spot. And then, you know, many don't know, but he works with swing coach uh, George Gankus, the same guy who works with uh, Matt Wolf and them. And you always see him posting stuff about him. He's looking good. I, I think he's a spot you could go to at 6,400. I think that's a good play. I'll go back to Will Gordon. I didn't do too well last week, but he did enough. And now he gets dropped even further at 6,400. So I like him for a made cut, maybe get a little bit more experience under his belt, come back from that. Who else? A uh, couple of guys I had tagged up here. Tom Hoagie. Oh, Carlos Ortiz. Definitely like some Carlos Ortiz at 6,700. Mark Hubbard, a guy I like if he gets that putter hot. Max Homa. I'm just looking for upside down here, Kenny. And then um, not really much more beyond that. I guess Bo, Bo Hostler, I've heard mentioned a few times, you know, the narrative of, you know, Texas guy, as well as, you know, almost winning it. Not at this, at this course, of course, but uh, you know, almost winning this Houston open when, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I had my biggest weekend ever and Poulter stole it away. So I was happy to see that happen. I know some others weren't, but other than that, man, uh, you mentioned Sung Kang down at 6,200. And then lastly, uh, Keith Mitchell, same price tag, Bermuda, long hitter, five par fives. Let's go. And Sam Ryder. Yeah. And Sam Ryder, I always play Sam Ryder. There's a bunch of guys down here. I, I always play Maverick Manili. It's my FOMO play because I think he's he's a pretty good golfer. Uh, even though you know his his tee to green game isn't the best, he's a really good putter. Uh, so I'm going Manili. I like Stallings. Uh, if it gets windy, he has a piercing low ball flight. Uh, really good with his long irons. One of the best on long par threes. Um, so I, I like Scott Stallings. I like Ortiz like you. I like Gordon like you. I like Sung Kang like you. Um, I want to play some Patrick Rogers. He's been playing like ass, but again, we're back on Bermuda. Uh, maybe his putters hasn't been good at all. Uh, maybe he can get back on track with that. Um, Andrew Putnam, another guy, Bermuda guy, Bermuda beauties. That's who we're playing this week. Uh, I like Andrew Putnam. Um, and I think I'll probably take a risk on Vegas. He's been playing like straight ass, but again, university of Texas grad used to this wind. Uh, if you look at his long-term stats, um, you know, he's, 11th in my model at $6,600 in the last 100 rounds, uh, you know, with his length and his par five acumen, um, and, you know, really good with his longer irons. He hasn't been recently, but maybe he can turn, uh, turn a dial it up to where he was uh, on, you know, sort of a home game for him. I don't know how close Austin is, but close enough. He's got to be used to the wind and stuff like that. So I'll play a little bit of Vegas. Right on. All right. So let's go to bets. Tambo, who you got? I got five this week. I got Sungjae, 33. I got Jason Day, 40. I got Siwoo, 50. And then I got two just crazy bombs. Danny Lee, 175 to one with the top five each way. And Keith Mitchell, 251 with the top five each way. All right. So I'm going seven bets this week, but five of them are eight to one or higher. So the two favorites that I'll bet on is Sungjae at 28 to one, Doc at 50 to one. And then I got five long shots. Harold Varner, 80 to 1. JT Poston, 100 to 1. Sam Burns, 100 to 1. Will Gordon, 150 to 1. Sung Kang, 500 to 1. Jeez, there it is, man. Han, 500 to 1. I'm going, I'm going Han and 500 to 1 this week. So Space so we'll bet. See. Space yeah. bet at 500 to 1. Yep. Uh, right. So uh, one and done. Yeah. Um, whoever you got, like, I'm so dead and one and done. Yeah, me that too. 
it's it's a strategy game now, right? For you, if you're there, you gotta. I don't think you're looking for a skin or anything like that, unless you're completely out of it. That's what I'll be looking for. So I should I shouldn't say that. There's strategy to it. I'm dead. I'm looking for a skin. So I'm gonna play whoever uh, that nobody's playing. It's gonna be completely random, and it won't be Sung Kang because somebody's gonna listen to this and see the Kenny's Koreans title and then take away Sung Kang. So I'm still gonna have to go even deeper than that. But uh, if you're in the mix and you got something on the go there, just worry about getting who's gonna make you the most money obvious but easy you just follow it and do that if you're out of it completely like me don't even bother trying in my opinion and just go after the skin. <laughs> don't <laughs> try, and get somebody try. Else. just Forget give it. up Pack it <laughs> exactly you got it uh, i'm either going to be posting or birds because i'm in the same level as you i'm trying to get a skin yeah so, none of those are skins those guys yeah. aren't skin guys you need to you go so? way off the board no go back go to brian gay that's that's how you get a skin I mean, we'll see we'll see how that goes i, I think i'm going posting a burn so we'll see how that goes all right, so that's going to be it for this week. You can find me at KendoVT, of course, on Twitter. Also, you can find my article on Gup's Corner. We are doing a free preview this week for all written content. So my article will be free. Uh, also, my, um, uh, my favorite, I'll add my favorite picks, my favorite bets, all that good stuff on Wednesday, and the Giants just scored, so I'm hyped because I took the Giants minus 13 or plus 13 to keep this NFL thing rolling, trying to win eight in a row. Uh, but yes, yeah, so just go on Gump's Corner, do your thing. You can find a promo code on my Twitter site, on my Twitter feed. Jeez, and minus 13 on the alternate spread. I was gonna say, anyone no, no. who is against Trump no. is gonna be worried if you're going plus that 13, plus yeah, yeah, 13. Yeah. I got you, man. So, yeah. any keep the streak alive. You said it, yeah. You like, you know, you guys, you can find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo, add me there, hit me up if you have any questions. Other than that, find me on rotogrinders.com. You use the link, rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Check out everything over there. Doing a lot of free content there as well, right? You got my, my podcast every Thursday for the Tourney Takes Pod with Kirkwood and uh, Killer B. That's a good one if you guys are into NFL. And then lots of stuff through over the weekend too that you can check out. So Sunday show is all free before lock. Other than that, good luck this week, guys. And I'll let Kenny take us out of here. All right, one week until the Masters, but we got the Houston Open first. Play all the fucking Koreans, and let's win some motherfucking money. DJ Nation. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.